0: hey hi how's it going welcome to the living lizzie podcast i am so excited to be doing this oh my gosh i have not done a podcast i did my last podcast first one ever a while back and lots of things have changed since then i got married i got pregnant and i had a baby and i'm gonna be sharing with you guys my birth story today and how crazy it was um, so, sit back, relax, and grab something to drink and to eat because it's going to be a crazy ride. But before I get into that, uh, feel free to follow me on all of my social medias. It is livinglizzy underscore on literally everything Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I really don't use TikTok, but um, I have a TikTok. And I recently just launched a blog um, where I'm going to share some things there too. And that is just livinglizzy.com. So with that being said, let's share this story, guys. Oh my goodness, where do we even begin with this? So uh, it all started on a Thursday semi-later afternoon where Lucas and I were trying to induce labor. We were trying everything. I was already a week and a few days over my due date and when you're trying to have a natural birth, it's super common for your first birth to go almost two weeks over its due date and so we were prepping for that um, of it going over. Um, I learned very quickly (laughs) that a due date is just a rough estimate of when the baby's going to come out. It's not guaranteed. So uh, when my day had gone past, a week had gone by, I was like, okay, I want to meet our child because we didn't know what we were having. And so Lucas went out to the grocery store to get some spicy food and I had just taken a shower and I felt like this weird feeling. I was like, Okay, what's happening? And um, is it just more water coming off on of my body or what's happening and I stood up and my water literally gushed all over the floor and at that same time Lucas was walking in the door and I was like uh honey I think my water just broke and he's like haha just, so funny and I was like no legit it's happening and it just kept coming out and I didn't have any contractions prior to that which is super rare to happen that your water breaks before contractions happen. It's only about a 10% of women who that actually happens to. So I was a part of that lucky 10%. And I called my midwife and I let her know, hey, my water just broke and I had to let her know because I was group B positive, which basically just means I had strep in my vagina, but it didn't do anything to me. Uh, you don't have any side effects. It's super common. Three out of four women normally have it, um, but it can cause respiratory issues for your baby. So I let her know and my doula came over because we were going to do some body work. So we started doing my body work, but I had to put a, De- a Depends diaper on because I just kept flowing with amniotic fluid like when they say your water breaks it's more of a constant pee but because we were doing body work at the same time so much liquid was coming out of me and those depend diapers holy crap you guys they hold so much liquid because throughout my body work I just felt it like swelling up and I was like, I'm sorry, I really need to go change this because this is crazy. And every single time um, I would go back, do the body work session. I'm like, legit, this is insane. I I told her at one point, I was like, is this what an erection is like? Because it just kept getting harsher and bigger. <laughs> so weird saying it out loud. But we did body work. And so after she did body work, um, my midwife and my doula were like, go to bed and call us once contractions start and so it was like 3 a.m i called her i said hey think contractions are happening and she said you're in the early stages because you're still smiling and i was like i don't know what that means she goes you're really early because they're not painful and i definitely thought that i had a low pain tolerance um, which later learned that apparently i have a very high pain tolerance so um my (laughs) midwife came the following morning and I started my penicillin drip. Um, That's what you kind of do when you have group B and I had a few options. I could have done a vaginal cleanse or I could have done the penicillin drip and I don't know what it was but something was calling me to do the penicillin drip. Originally I wasn't going to. That was the plan to not do it at all and just do the little cleanse every three hours but something was just pulling me to do the penicillin drip and long story short I'm incredibly grateful that I did that because it helped a lot with the end result of everything so really the home birth part of my story of my home birth or my birth story um, it's pretty anticlimactic in my personal opinion compared to the hospital now I'd always planned to have a home birth that has always been the plan I'd never stepped foot once in a hospital for any of my care I had my original ultrasound at an image business where they do ultrasounds for all different reasons um, for my original ultrasound and then my 20-week ultrasound and then after that I didn't have any more ultrasounds um, and we just did everything like you normally would have for an appointment in a hospital with a midwife. And it's way more hands on, it's way more personal. And that's something that I really wanted because that's something that I don't like with hospitals where you work with a doctor throughout your entire prenatal care. And then when it comes to the day of your labor, you don't know if you're going to get the doctor that you worked with, as well as a lot of the appointments with those prenatal appointments, they're really like 20 minutes. You walk in, check the baby, and they're like, all right, well, it's good. Do you have any questions? And most of the time, you don't. And then they send you on your way, where with my midwife, I would have appointments with her um, where they would be anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours long, and we would go over everything from uh, nutrition to parenting advice to um, how to care for a baby after they come out how to take care of yourself how to be able to have a supportive partner throughout the process it was super hands-on really personal and our midwife Anne has become so much more than just a midwife she is family to us now and she was there through every single step of my labor so labor was continuing on and I was doing lots of different body positions to try to help stone get engaged correctly into my pelvis so stone was faced upwards they're supposed to have their nose to your butt but his nose was facing my belly button and he was in my pelvis not really in a great position so because of that we were doing lots of positions when I was having contractions to try to have my body naturally be able to pull stone back allow him to readjust himself and then to have him reposition himself back into my pelvis correctly Um, and after three sleepless nights none of us slept Um, (laughs) one of the nights I think it was the first night um, my midwife my doula my midwife's assistant myself lucas and kirby were all sleeping on my big couch in our living room it's a couch that i absolutely hate because it's so soft and you just like really sink into it but we all fell asleep on that couch um and throughout my entire labor at home i had no drugs the only quote-unquote drugs that i had was the penicillin um for my group b but I didn't have any pain medicine. The only thing that I was using was breathing techniques. And I got those from the Positive Birthing Company and their program. And that helped me a ton with the mindset. Because honestly, contractions were not bad at home. They were so easy. It was up until I got to the hospital where shit hit the fan. (laughs) Honestly, it was terrible. So after three days of being in labor at home... My midwife was exhausted. My body wasn't progressing. We got to a point where we thought we were progressing and we just weren't. And so because I was potentially at risk of having an infection because my water had broken, which is a protective seal for the baby to prevent infection, we said, you know what? Let's go to the hospital. And we had already had an emergency plan of... Um, Transitioning from a home birth to a hospital if that was needed. And so we already had all of this in plan. A lot of people think that when you have a home birth, there isn't a backup plan for emergencies. And so the plan going into the hospital was to have an epidural so my body could just relax, hopefully, allowing Stone to be able to again come back out of my pelvis, reposition himself into the correct way and have him be able to come out naturally. A lot of people think that when you're having a home birth it is this very unorganized series of events but really there's a lot of planning going into it to make sure that you are safe and so is the baby. So I did not plan to be transferred to a hospital. My midwife, my doulas all knew my birth plan and so something that I did prior to being transferred from a home birth to the hospital is write down all of the preferences that I would like from delayed cord clamping because one third of your baby's blood is in the placenta and I wanted to make sure that our baby was able to have all of that blood and I wanted to make sure that the doctors knew that I wanted to keep my placenta because I was planning on encapsulating it. Then moving forward, um, making sure that they knew that I wanted them to ask me permission before they would administer any drugs or do anything to me because there are a lot of times where they just do it because it's procedural or that's how they do it in the hospital, but I wanted to make sure that they knew to ask me for permission before doing anything making sure that they understand that if there's a procedure that is about to be done that you don't agree with that you stand up for yourself and you say hey you know what I don't want to do that thank you so much but I'm just you know what we're not going to do that and there are many times throughout my labor um, where boundaries were crossed as well as not respected and the reason we chose to go to the hospital that we did was because my midwife, my doula, and my husband were all allowed to come into the hospital with me. Um, I used to previously work at a hospital for four years and they didn't allow them to come in as well as I didn't want to go to a hospital that I had a lot of previous trauma emotionally and mentally at because when you have trauma within your body um, there's a thing where it's a fight and flight that's happening inside your body which can actually prevent you from furthering on into labor and I did not want that to happen so we went to the other hospital that's in my area um, because of all those reasons We called in advance and they let them know that I was coming. They let them know that I was a transfer from a home birth and they let them know of all the things that they had done to me prior. Because something that's really incredible about my midwife, Anne, is she documents everything throughout the entire process and before I left our house I was um, seven centimeters dilated so literally three centimeters dilated from being fully surfaced um, with no drugs literally nothing and I felt like such a badass for being able to do that at home and not really being in any pain whatsoever. I was uncomfortable at moments at max a minute at a time but I was never in a point where I was like I can't do this anymore get me out of here. I was never at that point, literally ever. And this is where things take a turn. Um, we got to the hospital, they wheeled me up to a triage room and we had a lovely nurse named Nicole who welcomed us in. And, um, she said, great. Um, we are going to have the doctor come in and he's going to check you. And I said, okay, is it a male or is it a female? said a male and just from previous history I don't work with any um, doctors that are men or any medical people that are men it's nothing against them I've just had not the greatest experience and just for emotional protection I prefer females and so she said well you know what Um, he's a really great doctor he's been doing this for 30 years and um, he's real gentle and I was like I don't care if he's gentle I don't want him and she's like okay well let the doctor know and then um he came in this guy was an absolute asshat the biggest dick I've ever met sorry if you're young and listening to this and you thought this was going to be PG it's not going to be from here on out because this man was an absolute asshole So he came in and was like, So I heard you don't want to be checked by a man. It's only me tonight and it's your only option, or you can go to the different hospital. That was our first interaction. Not, Hi, how are you? Not, Oh, so great that you are here safely. How's your baby? How's none of those things? Oh, I heard you don't want to be checked by a male. If you don't want it, then you have to leave. And I just said, You know what? It's nothing against you personally. And he's like, I get that. I don't know what your experience is previously, um, but it's either I check you or you can go elsewhere. And I just said, okay. And he goes, well, if it makes you feel better, they call me Dr. Longfingers. I shit you not, you guys. He literally said, they call me Dr. Longfingers. I hope that makes you feel more comfortable. I don't know in anyone's right mind that that would make them feel more comfortable comfortable and so I looked at my midwife I looked at my doula and I just said if this is my only option I'm gonna have to suck it up because I want to meet our child because we didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl and I'd already been in labor for three days and I said you can check me but please respect me and he said, of course. Well, you know, it's lucky to have me, Dr. Longfingers, checking you because with females, they have shorter fingers, where with me, I have longer fingers, so it's easier to be checked again. I don't know who in the right mind would think that that would make somebody feel more comfortable, but it sure as shit did not make me feel more comfortable whatsoever. And this is how I started my experience in the hospital. And if you are a medical professional and you are listening to this, this is my personal experience. I know this is not for everybody and not everybody experiences stuff like this, but what I am going to share with you guys from here on out is more common than it is shared about. So he checked me and I was eight centimeters, which was incredible, but I wasn't dilating. I was only 50% dilated on my one cervix because of how Um, our child was positioned into my pelvis. So he said, you know what, let's get Pitocin and let's get that going. And then if we need to, we can do an epidural. And I just said, you know what, I just came here for an epidural. If Pitocin needs to be done, we'll do Pitocin. However, I'm only here for an epidural. And then he decides to say, well, I don't know why you're trying to prevent me from me being able to do my job you came here to have a baby and that's the right steps to do so again if you aren't going to follow what we order for you to do you can go to the other hospital and I was flabbergasted by the way that he was speaking to me and it just validated this whole experience just validated how much I dislike (laughs) the hospital procedure side of everything when it comes to caring for women, when it comes to labor. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna do the epidural, but if I'm not progressing to where I need to progress, I will do Pitocin and I let him know that the combination of Pitocin and epidural, what will happen is you're going to give me the epidural, you're going to give me Pitocin. What's going to happen is my baby's heart rate is either going to drop or it's going to accelerate because of stress and then I'm going to automatically go into a C-section. That is how it's going to work. And he said, I've been doing this for 30 years. That combination has never resulted into a C-section. Never. And I would love to see the statistics because other statistics have shown that that combination is deadly and it is not good for our bodies to have whatsoever. And so I had the epidural. I took a great nap. And then that's when things started really, really, really getting crazy. My epidural didn't work. Um, She missed three times but I didn't flinch whatsoever when it came to the needle um, in my back, and actually my midwife said that I freaked out more about the IV of from the penicillin drip that she had to give me versus the um, lidocaine that they put in my back. Apparently, lidocaine is supposed to be way worse. I thought the IV was literally terrible, <laughs> but um, had the um, epidural and epidural didn't work. She tried three times and it only numbed half of my body. It didn't numb both sides. I wanted to still be able to be functional um, and still feeling things, but also not at the same time. Just enough to be able to allow our child to relax within my womb and be able to readjust themselves and then go from there. Okay, I've recorded this part. <laughs> four times now and it keeps getting me emotional because this is a part where are things I'm still trying to recover from and something that I've learned throughout all of this is it's okay to mourn your birth, um, especially if it doesn't go the way that you had planned and it's really common for people to mourn their birth of how it happened um, because it is traumatizing unfortunately in my position. Birth can be such a beautiful and magical thing. But the next things that happen from year on out are things that I'm still recovering from, as well as still trying to process. Um, Therapy has been amazing, talking about it with friends. Um, but just understanding that I did the best that I could and God had a plan and his plan has made me stronger and maybe his plan is for me to have this story and positively impact somebody's life Um, I don't know what it is but this next section second this last quarter of the game is is what has taken me so long to be so open about this last part of my birth. So the doctor, Dr. Longfingers, comes in and checks me again. And I'm at nine centimeters. And again, I'm just at the epidural. I'm not taking any Pitocin or anything like that yet. And he has the nerve to come out and say, well, you have failed. Literally saying the words, you have failed to me. As a woman who's been in birth and labor for three days, and my, my doula and Lucas jumped down this man's throat and was like, excuse you, but in a much more harsher way. And he goes, what? She's failed. She's attempted to give birth and I'm here to fix a problem that she put herself in. And I don't know where the energy came from or the balls I developed in those two and a half seconds. But I jumped down this man's throat, Dr. Longfinger's throat, and I said, how Dare you say that to a woman, a person, me, who's literally been in labor for three days, who's done things that most women don't even have the balls to do. And you have the guts to tell me that I have failed? And he said, Well, this is outside my comfort zone. You put yourself in this situation. And I go, You said that you have 30 years of healthcare experience within this field. You have zero relationship skills you have zero empathy how dare you to ever say that to any woman and I basically kicked him out (laughs) and those words that you failed are still words that I hear in my head quite often and it really sucks and it seems that no person should ever be told no woman who's literally deep into labor should ever be told. And it felt really good to have my doula Crystal literally <laughs> turn me over after I kicked him out. And go, I am so proud of you. That was incredible. And my midwife was just sitting on the couch. She's like, I was prepared. But you got it. And Lucas is like, I don't I don't even know. This is my wife. She's incredible. I love my husband. <laughs> but those words are still words that I struggle with today I literally had done almost everything except the Pitocin from what he had asked I did a lot of things that I did not want to do and I literally told him I'm only going to do the next things because he came back in and apologized and I said I'm only going to take this Pitocin to hopefully get me 100% surfaced so I can get out of here away from you and he goes okay So I had Pitocin um, and again my epidural didn't work so I felt every single contraction of Pitocin and something with Pitocin is Pitocin doesn't give both layers of your uterus contractions. It only does the outer layer and so because of that it puts so much pressure on the baby that A lot of times it prevents the baby from being able to naturally shift themselves into where they need to go. Again, babies will come out when they are ready and when they are positioned correctly. A lot of people get induced early and unfortunately what that does is if the baby isn't positioned correctly, it puts you in a position where you potentially could be, you know, putting yourself into position where one it's going to be really difficult for the baby to come out the baby's in a hard position and you might end up in a c-section and these are all things that I wanted to avoid (laughs) and so that's why I was doing body work I was doing um, Thai body massages which naturally releases any fascia or any tension within your body to help release the lower half of your body so you can naturally give birth so I did the Pitocin and I told this to every single nurse afterwards that I would much rather be in labor for another six days than ever be on Pitocin because Pitocin is one hell of a drug you guys. That shit makes you hurt <laughs> and it doesn't make you hurt down in like your vagina area. It hurts in your stomach area because Again, there's two layers of your uterus. There's one that goes around and there's one that goes up and down. So one that kinda is like a wave that goes upwards and then pushes down. And then you have the other one, the outer layer, that kind of gives you like a hug. And the pitocin only hugs the outer layer. And so it squeezes the baby into the uterus into a weirder position. And so it was like six o'clock or something. And Dr. Longfingers came in and I he checked me again and he's like I just want to let you know that if you are not um, 100% dilated that you have a really high chance of having to have a c-section and I was like okay like I just prayed that I didn't have to go down that route and I just prayed that I was 100% dilated and he checked me and he's like well you're 100% dilated And I felt like I just won the Super Bowl. Like, I felt like I was going to Disney World. The way that he said that, like, my doula, my midwife, Lucas, and I, and my nurse, Nicole, were cheering. Like, we were so freaking excited to be able (laughs) to be 10 centimeters dilated. And then he said, you know what? I've worked with a lot of women and... I know that you are going to be great at pushing and I just pray that all this go, turns out the way that you'd hope. You know, thanks bro, but you're still an asshole in my eyes because you told me that I've failed and I hope that I made an impression on him to learn how he speaks and change the way that he speaks to women who are in that specific position um, because home births are really common and Women should never be looked down upon for having natural home births if that's their preference. You know, it is 100% safe for women to have home births if they have zero health complications and they meet all the requirements to have a home birth. So then this is where I started pushing and I had a new um, set of nurses and unfortunately, the new nurse that I had bumping up my Pitocin without me without asking me and without letting me know and so because of that my contractions got terrible and again my epidural isn't working so I'm feeling literally every single contraction from these Pitocins and it wasn't till I heard her say okay bump the pit to six and I was like wait you didn't ask me to bump it up to six like we were only at two an hour ago when we first started pushing Oh, well, you weren't progressing fast enough. That's what happens in hospitals. They put you on a shot clock. And that's another reason why I didn't want to give birth in a hospital because they put you on the shot clock. They say, okay, well, you're in the hospital. You know, if you don't go fast enough, you're going to have an infection. You're going to have all these things. They do the scare tactic thing with you. And I basically put her in her place. I said, you did not ask to bump it up to six. We were only at two. Like Stone's heart rate was fine. Our child's heart rate was totally okay but in a lot of positions that can do a lot of damage to a baby's heart because it's too much for them to handle and so she apologized um, and this was after the new doctor came in and basically scared the shit out of me. So the doctor came in and it was after three hours of pushing and literally pooped everywhere Lucas still tells me that I'm beautiful after he saw me just literally poop everywhere and I could feel myself pooping I'm like I'm pooping I'm pooping my midwife's and it was like you're doing a great job and Lucas is like you're not pooping you're okay and I was like you're full of shit I literally can feel it and <laughs> um and so I was doing all these positions of trying to push. They put like this bar up on like I felt like I was in Cirque du Soleil, but in labor form, where they put this bar up and then they put a um like a towel around the bar for me to hold on to, but then I would put my legs up on the bar and I would pull myself with my hands on the towel, but then I would push with my legs off the bar it was wild y'all and so I kept pushing and pushing and pushing but because I had the Pitocin it was pushing too hard and so Stone was still stuck at an angle with his hand on his face faced upwards which put us in a predicament where I couldn't move any further and basically uh the new doctor that came on was like hey homie uh, you've been pushing for so long. And she basically said, if we don't get this baby out of you, you're both going to die. She didn't say those exact words up until later um, and said, okay, well, you need to get this baby out. This baby's going to be too big. And I just want to let every single woman know if a doctor ever tells you that you are incapable of giving birth because a baby's too big, lies. Our bodies are literally made to give birth. Okay. In some situations, yes however i know people who literally birthed 12 pound babies with no drugs no help no nothing did the baby come out like toothpaste really slow and in like a weird to form yes however they were fully capable of doing it and they were people who were like five five and before they got pregnant was like 105 pounds and they gave birth to a 12 pound baby naturally insane right totally insane but totally doable so she came in said that the baby was too big all these things and at that point I think the Pitocin was talking and I turned to Lucas and I remember in like a devilish voice I was like get this baby out of me and he's like babe I like are you sure and I was like don't try to convince me I just want us to both be safe and I was just emotionally distraught at that point point. and then they turned my Pitocin off and I felt normal again like it was Insane. So I ended up having to have a C section. And so they brought me into the OR. They did my spinal, and the spinal was amazing. I did not feel anything. However, I did have a lot of postpartum struggles with that from headaches to back pain. Um, And I would say it took about a month before all the headaches and everything went away because of the epidural and the spinal. And it's really common to have those side effects that no one talks about. I mean, they make you sign a thing like, hey, this potentially could kill you. And if it does kill you, you can't sue the hospital. But it also has not really fine printing that, hey, you also have a really high chance of not dying, but you're going to have really bad side effects. So elephant feet <laughs> was definitely one because of all the fluids that they were pumping in me, as well as the spinal fluids trying to get out of me. So I had my spinal and then And then they put me down, and then my doctor came in. And when I'm in stressful situations and it's something outside of my comfort zone, I start making jokes. It's not something that I intentionally try to do, it just happens because that's just how my body works. That's how I just process things. It's how I cope with stressful situations, and it's how I've coped with a lot of things throughout my entire life. And so I started making jokes. And I said, you know what, guys, I just want want to let you guys know, I know you're laughing. However, I'm just making jokes because this is how I cope with things. My husband isn't here. I'm really having a hard time. Um, and this is not the place where I want to be. And the anesthesiologist was like, you know what, I totally understand. Like, you're totally okay. You're doing great. And then my doctor goes, well, do you want to hear something funny? And I said, sure. Entertain me. And she said, well, I know your husband's family and in my head, and if you know my husband's family, just on their dad's side, there's like 350 people. And from my side, there's like 20 <laughs> from, cause all I know is my mom's side of the family. And so I was like, oh really? And she's like, yep. I used to work for, um, his grandma and all these things. I said, oh wow, great. That's just lovely. I can't even go to a hospital without somebody knowing my husband's family which there's nothing wrong with it but there's just like a sense of privacy that I would love for someone who doesn't know my husband's family to also see my hoo-ha you know So then after she told me that just hilarious joke, she then told me that, hey, because you've been in labor for so long, you have a really high chance of rupturing and bleeding out. And so because of that, if you do rupture and it's coming from your uterus, we might have to take that out. If you like slowly pass out, just know that we're going to help you out. And I was like, okay, great. Wow. Lovely. My husband isn't here to hold my hand while you just told me that just terrific news As well as I'm numb from the tits down and I can't run out of here. (laughs) Like how lovely of a joke that was. Thank you for entertaining me. (laughs) Lucas finally came in and we started talking and they started counting the instruments. Um, And so I originally, not originally, went to school for a lot of things, but um, the last thing that I... Went to school for and I just had my clinicals that I needed to finish. Was being a surgical assistant, and something that I became proficient on is the knowledge of C sections. And so Lucas and I were talking, and I was like, Do you hear them counting? He's like, Yeah, why? I said, They're counting to make sure they don't leave any instruments in my body. And Lucas was not thrilled about that. He's like, Okay, that's weird. And then they use the bovi, which is basically an electric pen that cauterizes the skin, can also cut the skin at the same time. And they do that to prevent any bleeding from happening. So it like electrocutes the blood vessels. And there's a specific smell. Now, if you work in the hospital world, you know this smell. It's burnt skin. It's not great. And I told Lucas, I said, do you smell that? He's like, yeah. I said, that's sun burning my skin to make sure I don't bleed out. He's like, oh, great. This is weird. You need to stop. <laughs> so I kept going. And then um, I heard the instruments that they were passing. I was like, do you hear that? They're doing that to pull down all the layers of my body so they can try to pull our son out. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. And yeah, it was, I thought it was funny. He did not think it was funny at all. And then one of the things that um, I requested was a delayed cord clamping. Now, I wanted three minutes because that's what we were going to do at home, because that gives an ample amount of time for the baby to be able to fully absorb every single ounce of blood that's left in the placenta, as well as making sure it gives the placenta enough time to stop pulsating and the doctor was like nope we only do 30 seconds here that's what the CDC says and I said okay well I want at least a minute nope you're not getting a minute 30 seconds at max and I said no I would like a minute because that is where most of my baby's blood is and I want to make sure because this baby has been inside of me as long as it has that it leaves healthy and also not um, diminished in blood because then that goes into like biliary room and stuff and kidney function lots of other things for a different day and so she goes okay fine we'll do a minute so they did a minute which was fine and um, then they pulled our baby out and we I wanted Lucas to say what we were having and He goes, holy, that is definitely a boy. Um, And we had a baby boy. His name is Stone Michael. And I'm obsessed. He's literally the cutest child in the world. And that is not being biased because we had to have um, uh, an appointment a few days after. Which I do not understand why hospitals tell women that they need to go do appointments after a c-section like it's a major abdominal surgery and I could not move without help for over two weeks our in-laws literally lived with us for I would say a week and a half uh, because Lucas was taking care of me and my um, in-laws were watching Stone to make sure that um, he was okay while Lucas was taking care of me it was a full circus y'all and so Stone was born and I 100% believe in the power of prayer and how strong and powerful it is um, because just shortly before we went into surgery, um, lots of people were texting myself and were texting Lucas um, just saying, hey, I don't know why, but I'm- being really pulled to uh, pray for you right now I just hope everything with you and the baby is going okay I just know that I'm praying for you and I would say almost a dozen people message us which was just so kind of them to do and um, that was right before we went into the OR and that was right before um, they told me that I potentially could bleed out and borderline die they'd have to bring me back because I was in labor for so long Um, and then later found out that I bled less than a natural vaginal birth, which I just thought was incredible. Like I thought that was so cool because I truly believe that the prayers from everybody who had been praying for us, even the month prior, even from the beginning, um, saved us that day. I a hundred percent believe that. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy time. But um, that was pretty much my labor (laughs) and the care afterwards was definitely different. There was one nurse who did the um, hearing test that was the only one that genuinely asked me like, how are you emotionally doing after being transferred from a home birth to um, a hospital birth? That definitely wasn't something that you planned, but how are you mentally and emotionally doing right now? And That still impacts me today knowing that after all those doctors, how they treated me, that one nurse, my first nurse, Nicole, was so sweet and then came back after her shift was done. um, The following day, she came back down to see Stone. um, But that one nurse who did Stone's hearing test, um, just her asking how I mentally was doing was super impactful to know that out of all the medical people that worked with me, um cared enough to ask how I mentally was doing because that's something that a lot of people don't realize that it's guess it's physically grueling um at least in my sense it was but it mentally is too and it was really nice to know that there was a nurse that cared about my mental health throughout that process so that's basically my birth story in a nutshell there's so much more to it from them trying to push a bunch of drugs on me after leaving i literally just wanted motrin i explained to them that i my dad is a drug addict was a drug addict i don't know where he's at again different day different story um and she's like nope you're gonna have fentanyl and i was like whoa killer i'll just take the motrin no we'll just prescribe it to you just just in case because you're gonna be in a lot of pain no i'll be motrin's good no we're gonna give it Yo, I don't know if you're on commission or what, but I don't want it. No stinking thank you. But yeah, we can easily go into individual care from each and every single individual nurse because it was different every single eight hours, which was just insane. So yeah, so that's my birth story of the birth of our beautiful son, Stone. Um, we're both healthy. We're both safe now. But yeah, it was a crazy wild ride that I'm still processing through and still mourning through and still healing mentally, physically, emotionally from. Um, and there are definitely times that it pops up of, you know, the word failure from Dr. Longfingers <laughs> that continuously comes back over and over and over again in my brain. And I'm super thankful for Lucas that He reminds me of like, you're not a failure. You are able to grow and bring in a beautiful, healthy boy into this world. And you need to remember that. So that's all for today's podcast, friends. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. If you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can always DM me on Facebook or Instagram, just at livinglizzie underscore. Feel free to check out my blog at livinglizzie.com. And yeah, I hope to be doing more podcasts, anything related from life to business, the mom world. It'll be a lot of amateur mom advice. Um, But yeah. I hope it was helpful. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And feel free to give this podcast five stars. I have one review and it's five stars. So whoever that was really liked it. Um, so do that because that would be super helpful. And feel free to share this with your friends and family. So with that being said, don't forget you guys are loved. Don't forget to be kind to one another. Most importantly, don't forget to be kind to yourself. Spread love, not hate. And I'll see you guys later. Bye. <laughs>